Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, it's the Fallen Angel, Christopher Daniels. You are listening to The Real Wrestling Podcast. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy the show. Welcome one and all to The Real Wrestling Podcast with me, Paul. I'm Ads. Wiggles. Peanut. And James. Hey. As you can see, we're a very enthusiastic bunch. I just did, I just did a, like a, like a, hey, I'm very enthusiastic. <laughs> We've got uh, quite a lot to go through today, guys, so uh, we, should we kick things off by introducing ourselves? Yeah, knock yourself out. Who's going first? Okay. I vote you. Me? Yeah. Right, so I'm Ads. I was the person that had the idea for real wrestling, sort of like my little brainchild. It's actually something I've, um, I've not told any of you guys this before. It's actually something that I wanted to do around WrestleMania 30, and... I actually approached Wiggles with this years ago, and he was like, no, man. And then I was reading some articles, and they were just all a bit the same. Everyone doing the same thing. Nobody really calling anyone out on... Whoever the flavour of that month were, everyone was just like, yeah, this dude's banging. And I'm just like, everyone doing the same thing. Nobody really calling anyone out on... Whoever the flavour of that month were, everyone was just like, yeah, this dude's banging. And I'm just like, yeah, no, they're not shit. So that's where Real Wrestling Idea came from. I've been a fan for 26 years. Um... My first show that I ever saw was Royal Rumble 95. My favourite match ever would be the Iron Man match between Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart at WrestleMania 12. I think my fondest memory of wrestling would be the Canadian Stampede, the In Your House, uh, with the Hart Foundation versus Team USA. We had like everyone over, I'm allowed to stay up live and I'm, it was just good. So that's pretty much it about me. Um, I'm a big fan of comedy gimmicks, love comedy gimmicks. I'm not, I'm not big on power guys. I don't like the big, strong, muscly dudes. Well, you could never be Vince McMahon, man. No, I really couldn't. Give me a Daniel Bryan over a Braun Strowman any day. Technical wrestling's my thing. You know, I get an hard on for technical. Point out, right? The eighty percent of this podcast at the minute is Northern. <laughs> so I'm just bringing back a little bit of class. That's what it is. With his extra syllables. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So yeah, I'm Paul. Uh, I've been a pro wrestling fan for coming up, well, about 28 years on and off. Memories of it as a child were very limited. I didn't have access to cable TV for much of the initial boom phase, but uh, I managed to catch bits and bobs here and there. First match I ever remember seeing was Kamala against Undertaker, of all things, which was Survivor Series Night 2, I think it was. Uh, casket match, if I remember correctly. Yep. Uh, hardly a technical wet dream, but uh, you know, to a to a seven year old, it was pretty special. I must say, uh, it didn't rev my engines. <laughs> no, uh, it's safe to say that it wasn't exactly a five star classic. Rev my engines. <laughs> no, uh, it's safe to say that it wasn't exactly a five star classic. I came on board to Real Wrestling when Ads approached me and put the idea to me, and I just said, "Yeah, I'm in." Yeah, we're pretty, we're pretty um, simple. I'm just like, Paul, I've got this idea. He's like, dude, count me in. Yeah, that was pretty much it. I've got this idea. Does it involve wrestling? Yes, I'm in. That was it. That was pretty much it. <laughs> I think my, my favourite style is very similar to yours, Ads, and I don't really like the power guys. There's a couple I don't mind, you know, depending on the character. But for me, it's all about the technical matches and the, the perceived quote-unquote smaller guys. 
Yeah. You know, the ones that actually look like they can carry a match without looking like they're going to keel over halfway through. Favourite match uh, involves my favourite wrestler, which is Eddie Guerrero. Uh, his, matches, his matches with JBL, uh, the strap match and the bull rope match, easily two of Gargano and Champa together, be that as a tag team or as adversaries. I've been fortunate enough to go to several different events. I've been to two separate takeovers been to many a WWE house show. I've met quite a lot of the guys as well. I've met Edge, I've met Lita. Uh, I met Mr. Kennedy a long time ago, but we won't go into that. The father of British wrestling in, in many ways, Doug Williams. Can I just ask why we can't go into the whole Mr. Kennedy, Ken Anderson thing? Because he's a dick. Oh, that's good. Um, <laughs> simple as that. I didn't, I didn't particularly like him, but he was nice enough on the day. It's just... Obviously, at the time, he was a heel and he played it beautifully. You know, he had everyone hating him, as, as well he should. I was uh, part of the 5,000-strong crowd at Progress Wrestling level, uh, 75 at Wembley. Nice. And, uh, uh, yeah, basically, I'm, I'm well-known around the scene for having my chair. Uh, yeah, basically, I'm, I'm well-known around the scene for having my championship belts with me at any event I go to. Uh, I've got 12 to choose from, so uh, it's, it's never difficult to pick, pick one out. I mean, speaking of belts, I'm trying to convince my wife to buy me the, you know, the original Gold Eagle belt. The Hogan era to, like, the Attitude era. It's the nicest belt I'm, ever made. I'm going to share with you some wisdom that my father once bestowed upon me. Cool. It's easier to beg forgiveness than permission. <laughs> yeah, that don't work in our house. <laughs> <laughs> Mine either, but it sounded good. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, I'm James. I've been a wrestling fan for 25 years, near enough. The first match I ever watched was Giant Haystacks in the old British wrestling rerun, and at that time he was my favourite. And then I discovered the old WWE slash E, and the first match I ever watched in the promotion was The Undertaker versus... I ever watched in the promotion was The Undertaker versus... Yokozuna, and, and I fell in love with it. Um, my favourite all-time wrestler is The Undertaker. I just fell in love with it. The whole darkness and mystique of his character being an undead zombie. I grew up in the Attitude Era. It was just amazing, and I wanted to be a professional wrestler. And then I kind of looked everything up for what I needed to do, and when I was about 14 or 15, I started training. But I had to pull out. As I, I suffered a disc prolapse in my back, I mean, never to try again. But like any old teenager who doesn't listen to advice, I tried again training when I was 18 and I ended up tearing my ACL in my knee. So that was kind of really painful as well, so that's when I decided to give up on the dream. Over all time match is a bit of a steal. For me it was brilliant. I've not actually heard of that match. That's actually quite impressive. It was an unreleased match. It came out on the old Silver Vision tapes from uh, 1991, I believe. It was, and it it wasn't the best match in the world. But it was like the suspense of the match of is Ultimate gonna be in the body bag or is the Undertaker gonna be put in the body bag? I remember watching the pay per view Revenge of the Taker. I think it was. Where he came down like a bat out of the sky. Oh, and it was... Mankind versus Undertaker. Mankind versus Undertaker were the best feud of the 90s. That, for me, was the best feud of that time. 
But that's my personal opinion, and I, I love that feud. Okay, so I am Peanut, and I am your quiz master. Uh, I was also approached by Ads, who basically, his entire pitch was, hey, do you want to come talk about and write about wrestling? And I was like, sure. I've always wanted to do that. I've been a wrestling fan since around SummerSlam 92. Entire pitch was, hey, do you want to come talk about and write about wrestling? And I was like, sure. I've always wanted to do that. I've been a wrestling fan since around SummerSlam 92, which was, of course, at Wembley Stadium. Uh, everybody at school was just raving about this pay-per-view and how awesome it was going to be. So I thought, well, I've never seen wrestling before. And then it just followed me everywhere. If I went to a caravan park, they just happened to be wrestling going on at the time. And this kept happening, so I just ended up watching it when we got cable in about 93, 94. Just ended up watching sort of Raw. And my favourite pay-per-view of all time is Backlash 2001. I defy anybody to go and look at that card and tell me that there is not a, a match for you on there. You've got everything from a 30-minute Ultimate Submission match. You've got the last man standing match between um, Shane and Big Show. It's just an epic pay-per-view, a good all-rounder. Multiple titles on the line in the main event. Just everything it needs to be, really. I think that pay-per-view on that one show, it was the Attitude Era persona. After seeing The Undertaker Mankind Hell in a Cell and the Triple H Cactus Jack Hell in a Cell, I got it in my head that Undertaker versus Triple H would probably be the best Hell in a Cell of all time. And it was definitely up there. Yeah. Obviously, it's not as legendary as, say, the, man the, the two... The Undertaker and Triple H room with Foley, but it's still really amazing. My fondest memory is probably when I went to WrestleMania 17, uh, and I met my queen, Stephanie McMahon. I even managed to get a hug. Uh, but my favourite wrestlers are actually uh, Kurt Angle and Shawn Michaels. Solid picks. They just have the best matches, consistently. Like, there's no such thing. Like, you can put any Kurt Angle or Shawn Michaels match on and be at least entertained. So, that just leaves us with the most enthusi enthusiastic man in the world. Mr. Enthusiastic. <laughs> yeah, that'll be me. Uh, Wiggles Malenko. <laughs> Enthusiasm personified. Watching a tape of WrestleMania 10. So I had a really solid introduction with Brett versus Owen. Beautiful match. It was a great match. Didn't really get all into it, just kind of <clears throat> kept watching the tapes, home videos, that kind of thing. Until WrestleMania 13. And it was the Brett versus Austin match that really grabbed me. I was hooked on wrestling from then. Followed all the way through the Attitude Era. Barely missed a week. Fell out of love with wrestling probably around the uh, late noughties. Just got tired and bored of the same old people, same old storyline. And the final straw was the end of the streak at WrestleMania 30. Yeah, I was there for that. Oh, God, I, yeah. I was there with him, and I have never seen disappointment on a face like that since... We went out though that night, didn't we, to watch it? And I didn't really want to go because I'd already kind of had enough of WWE and the direction they were going in. You persuaded me to go on, and that was it. That was, that, that was the final I nail. I was actually watching that with a former partner who. Of WWE and the direction they were going in. You persuaded me to go on, and that was it. That was, that, that was the final I nail. I was actually watching that with a former partner who would proceed to rib me on my reaction to that for a further two years. I just broke. I mean, I think my actual selling point to get him to come to the pub and watch it was, do you not want to see Undertaker beat the shit out of Brock Lesnar? Well, yeah, that was the final nail in the coffin for me. Um, didn't watch wrestling then, up until we had the launch of AEW. AEW has reignited my passion for wrestling. Since then, I've looked into other 
promotions such as MLW, Beyond, NWA. Brought you back in. Did you say, right, that WrestleMania 10 was like your first show? Because I wish that the first wrestling match I had ever watched was Bret Hart versus Owen that opens WrestleMania 10. I just wanted to give you an absolute pat on the back. That was your introduction to wrestling. Well done. So anyway, <laughs> on to the news. I think the biggest two pieces this week have to be spoken about first. For those of you that don't know who are listening, Vince McMahon has... He's basically sent a cease and desist to all his talent that are using YouTube, Twitch and Cameo, third-party sites like that, making any sort of money. Uh, it all stems, apparently, according to Dave Meltzer, the straw that broke the camel's back with these doing it was Lana advertising Bang Energy on Instagram, I believe it was. And he sent out a letter to everyone basically saying find suspension or termination at wwe's discretion if talent doesn't stop these activities within the next 30 days by friday october the 2nd talent's basically pushing back the nobody seems to know what third party is from what i'm hearing apparently youtube is no longer included in that but that's good i think that's harkening back to xavier woods with up up down down and it sounds like it, yeah. And uh, I believe Paige came out today and said that there's absolutely no way she'll be leaving Twitch. Yeah, in a direct so... quote from Paige, she has put, we are not going to Twitch, we are here to stay, we are not going anywhere. And then Rusev has also come out and had a few choice words. Sorry, Miro, as he's called now. Basically, WWE posted on Twitter a full match between him and Roman Reigns, and they didn't tag him. Because he is no longer known as Rusev, they didn't tag him and he's, because he's not affiliated with the company. So he's come out and he's said on his stream, not tagging me is really low class and an unprofessional thing to do. It, WWE social media policy, is so stupid because I don't work for them anymore, but I still get checks every quarter for the Rusev merch they continue to sell. You know, I ain't freaky dead either, so why wouldn't you just tag me? It's a very good point, I believe, I think. Yeah, um... It's disrespectful to the talent that they're still using the image and likeness of. Absolutely. Exactly. And I think this was from Fightful. Thus far, based on the wrestlers that we've spoken to, non I think this was from Fightful. Thus far, based on the wrestlers that we've spoken to, non plan on ceasing their cameo or streaming setups. Two specifically noted that if WWE wants them to. They'll need their contracts renegotiated to compensate the limitations and changes. Nice. Mm. No names on who it is. I'm just going to go out there and say I think one of them, I believe, will be AJ Styles. Yeah, quite possibly. And I think another one might be Adam Cole. Yeah, because these guys had their wrestling names before they came to WWE, so they should have some rights on how they can use their own name. I mean, this is the confusing thing about it all, because Lana, her Twitter is her real name. Apparently Vince has turned around and said that WWE owns their real names. Which is a complete lie, barefaced. You can't own someone's real name. So as far as I'm aware, like from what I've been reading, the yeah. locker room's just kind of gone, eh, what? How can you... Exactly. And I mean, he can't really stop AJ from using the AJ name because he's had no, AJ... because he's brought that with him. Exactly. Paige has changed her stream from official Paige WWE to Soraya Official hoping that that gets around it for her. Matt Hardy's also spoken about this. And uh, he went to Twitter and he said, WWE social media folks aren't allowed to mention talent like Rusev because they now only exist in the entire professional wrestling universe as opposed to solely the WWE universe. 
it's just their policy. I love how AEW acknowledges all of pro wrestling, competition or not. And then to segue from there, Tony Khan has had his two cents in this. Uh, Stopping wrestlers from trying to monetize their Twitch or even appearance money and things of that nature he would never do. Wow. He's trying not to be Vince, isn't he? Like, Tony Khan's the new Eric Bischoff. Anything Vince does, Tony Khan's very quick to come... Vince does, Tony Khan's very quick to come out and say, I don't do this, by the way. I think now would be the perfect opportunity for the WWE talent to make the stand, knowing that Vince can't fire them all, as CM Punk said. Yeah. There's a very high chance that they could land in a rival like AEW. The landscape is completely different. I think Vince still sees AEW as a non-threat. Vince needs to learn that there is a new kid in town very, very quickly. His entire company depends on his acknowledgement that there's another kid in town. If Vince doesn't get his head in the game, I mean, AEW are already creeping on him. While we're talking about Vince, I understand the intellectual property thing, right? I get it. It does make sense from a marketing perspective to protect the image of your workers, and I understand the creative control. That being said, Vince needs to make his mind up because he keeps telling these guys, you're private contractors, and he ain't treating them like private contractors. He's treating them like employees of WWE. So he needs to make... He believes that all brand endorsements should go through him. WWE have actually released a statement on this. He said, Much like Disney and Warner Brothers, WWE creates, promotes and invests in its intellectual property, i.e. the stage names of performers like The Fiend, Bray Wyatt, Roman Reigns, Big E and Braun Strowman. And they want to protect our greatest assets and establish partnerships with third parties on a company-wide basis rather than at the individual level. So that, to me, basically says... You're independent contractors until I say that I want some of your money. Can we also just yeah. clarify that the most important thing is the WWE brand? Like That's definitely what that means. To be fair, Tony Khan did make a good point as well. He was asked about how he handles it. He said that whilst he's okay with talent using Twitch and Cameo and things like that, having sponsorships on those channels separate from AWs where it's kind of a grey area. There's going to be a lot of fallout from this, I think. There's going to be a lot of pushback, a lot of backlash. And I think there could be some... If they're going to restrict me like this, they're going to try and restrict me further down the line. I'll leave now. It's not like it was 10 years ago when the only place you could go really was TNA. Yeah. You know, there's there's a lot of viable places now. You've got Impact. You've got Ring of Honor making a big comeback. NWA's making waves. AEW, of course. Japan and Mexico as well. And, of course, the UK Indies are getting bigger. The people that do end up being terminated through all this, I think they're going to look at the talent that has left. They're going to look at people like Matt Cardona. They're going to look at people like Brody Lee. For the biggest example, that guy has been pushed to the moon. And even to an extent, EC3, Heath, you've got the Good Brothers in impact. Pardon the pun, but they've made an impact. They have. So moving on from this, I think we should hand over to Wiggles for this one, as he is the guy who has been covering it on the site. For those of you that watched All Out, you'll know what I'm talking about. It's the very controversial Matt Hardy fall. It was horrific. It went through me. Controversial Matt Hardy fall. It was horrific. It went through me. Yeah, it was a horrible accident. It it was sickening. It really was. I mean, I've, I've watched it back a few times today. It doesn't get any better. There's not a point where you can think to yourself, well, you know... This could have happened or that could have... No, he hit his head and he hit it hard. Um, they should have stopped the match. Just... 
Well, they did. That was the thing, didn't they? They did initially stop it, and then it started again. It was a very odd situation. I think we should pass over to Wiggles for this. Like like I said, he's been covering it. Yeah. What's your thoughts, dude? Well, it was a match between uh, Matt Hardy and Sammy Guevara at All Out. They'd gone up on this lift, and Sammy speared Matt off onto the tables below. Unfortunately, Matt's head and shoulders cleared both the tables and landed on the concrete. It was quite sickening. It was horrible to see. What gets me is that vacant look. The look that he had. I mean, it sort of plays to Matt Hardy's broken character. When we saw it happening live, we were just like, is this work? It was when he started chomping his gnashes. Aubrey immediately checked on him when they landed. She threw up the X in. Aubrey immediately checked on him when they landed. She threw up the X in a couple of seconds. Props to Aubrey. Um, I thought that might have been it. Bell rang. Doc Sampson came in, checked him over. And it was then, I think, that the camera cut away for a second to show Sammy Guevara, who'd backed away a few feet. And then we could hear in the background, Matt was doing his chomping of the teeth, that gnashing sound he does. And that was when I thought, oh, it must have been a work. From that point, I was I was looking for, like, evidence of it being a work. 2am, tired eyes, thought I saw the floor move. I mean, obviously it's concrete, so that wasn't the case. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, as Matt got back to his feet again, he went after Sammy, but it was stumbling. And once he'd caught up to Sammy, he'd fallen over on the floor again. I think there was another X thrown up, I think, at that time. I think the there was, yeah, and th at that point it was when um, Aubrey called for the bell. Yeah, so Sam was making his way back towards the stage area. We thought that that was it, we thought the match was over, but Matt managed to catch up to Sammy and start fighting again. Went up the scaffolding, Matt pushed Sammy off, and same, we've had some conflicting stories. Yeah, I think it's uh, the aftermath of it that's, that's the big talking yeah. point of this. So, obviously, Matt's uh, wife, Ruby, was really upset. Uh, she's been very outspoken as yeah. is her way yeah well I can't I can't really blame her for uh, no not at all I mean she's got every right to be angry if Colette had had access to Twitter during the King of the Ring 98 Hell in a Cell or yeah. Mick Foley's I Quit match I'm sure we'd have seen very much the same yeah, yeah, yeah. so first of all Tony had said he was asked in the media conference after the show about the accident Tony Khan said that the doctor had cleared him Matt cleared all the concussion protocols Matt wanted to continue. The doctor was happy for him to continue. That was why the match had restarted. But since then, Ruby said that Matt had gone to the hospital for further scans. Uh, Ruby wrote, they needed additional imaging done after his CT. He's still in the hospital, a thousand percent concussion. Anyone with eyes could have told you that though. Yeah, so Tony tweeted an update on Matt Hardy. It's great news, Matt's okay. Still in the hospital, a thousand percent concussion. Anyone with eyes could have told you that though. Yeah, so Tony tweeted an update on Matt Hardy. It's great news, Matt's okay. He sends Starspell as a precaution and he's passed the MRI and CT scan so he doesn't have a concussion. He's being driven home now. Matt will be at Dynamite on Wednesday night to thank you amazing fans for your support. I am inclined to believe that Tony wouldn't have let him continue if protocol hadn't been followed correctly. I agree. Oh, I agree. Yeah. I would very much like to see what these concussion protocols I was are. just about um, to say that. It's all very well saying he passed the concussion protocols but... I bet no wrestling fan out there can find these concussion protocols. These exactly. Published. So we, in the in the era of transparency that we live in now, these protocols need publishing so we can make our own minds up if if he followed protocol or not. You've literally just taken the words right out of my mouth. That's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. Tony Khan was, has also been accused of allowing Matt Hardy to overrule the decision, which it did look like maybe Matt was the one to rule the decision, which it did look like maybe Matt was the one that kind of made the decision to continue. Yeah, it did. Because it, it sort of ended, and then you have Matt going, where is he? Where is he? Yeah. And then well, suddenly you find him, and the bell rings again. Sure. I made this point earlier when replying to somebody's comment on Facebook. Some guy were going on about how it should be stopped and stuff like that. And 
the point that I made was if Matt felt like he could and the doctors did clear him, then Matt's going to finish the match because that's the sort of person that he is. Like I said, you're not going to be the owner of a company that's paying for people's health insurance. It's basically changing the wrestling industry for the better and then put your talent at risk of a concussion. Tony Khan did deny those accusations. He said that the doctor did clear him. Matt did not pressure him. Him and Dr. Samson would not be pressured into clearing anybody. Adding that he would never have gone against the doctor's decision, and most importantly, Matt would not have been able to overrule the doctor's decision. This is the first bit of controversy out of AEW since its formation. It is very controversial. A lot of it, it's, it's going to divide everyone. Uh, Tony Khan does say Matt will be back on Wednesday, so hopefully he'll be cleared up a little bit then. But whatever the case, just hope that he's all right. Let's just hope we get some yeah. answers. Knowing Matt Hardy and how he's done the Broken Universe. He's going to work this into it. He's going to make gold from this. It's, it's going to end up a worksheet. So, moving on from the Matt Hardy controversy, in other news this week, Bork Laser is a free agent. He's free to beat up one-legged men as much as he wants. Today, we've I've heard that it's not the case that he's truly a free agent. This is coming from WrestleTalk. Um, they have stated that He's in talks to come back at WrestleMania and have a rematch with Drew. We don't know if it involves a title, but other plans for the title that are floating around at the minute is Edge versus Randy Orton. To be fair, we do have two titles we can play with here. And here's, here's the problem I have with, with Brock when he is there. You've got a part of dice, and with Paul Heyman in his corner, that man could sell sand to the desert. But when you put your top title on a guy who then takes and goes, right, I'm off, see you in six months. That does absolutely nothing for your main title. It makes it seem worthless because, hey, why should he bother to defend it every month? It's a complete travesty. I mean, for your world title to be off television for any length of time like that, it's always going to lower the prestige. It is a little bit of a heel tactic, though, isn't it? To win the belt and then disappear for a little bit so you don't have to defend it. There's a heel tactic in disappearing for a few weeks and then there's pissing off for six months what gets me is though right is i think it says a lot about the company as well it looks like the wwe do not give a shit about the title they will sacrifice tv and not having the title on tv when brock's about it just hurts company image it does it, it makes them look like they don't care your championships need to be seen to be a worthy of fighting for and b worthy of being promoted by the company at that moment in time when brock has that title Neither of those things have been fulfilled. Moving on from Brock, we could be here for days. We could. <laughs> There's some interesting developments in NXT this week. We've got to jump straight into it, really, haven't we? Look at the uh, yeah, the four-man Iron Man match. What an absolute <laughs> screamer of a match that was. Say, Ads, what did I send you? That's the best match WWE have put on all year. Changed my mind. I can't. I said it to you the other day as well. With four-way matches, it's always very difficult because you always feel like they're going to be slow, they're going to be methodical, there's going to be bits that you're going to miss. And it always feels like it's not quite going to live up to the hype. This match had everything that it said it was going to deliver and more. When you've got four guys of that level of talent, there's never going to be a dull moment. The way those guys paced that match, the bit that I loved the most in that match was that slow build to the Gargano Champa stare down. It yeah. was beautiful. And the fact that roles are reversed this time, oh, perfection. So ending in a draw, very controversial. Pissed a lot of people off because they wanted to see a new champion that night. But the swerve of the draw, beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. The fact that we get Balor versus Cole 2 on free TV. I gotta admit, I am very, 
very excited about that match. My two picks going in were Balor and Cole, so this is the ultimate finish for me. Coming out of that match next week, my prediction is Balor's coming out champion. I agree, and I actually would like to make another prediction in that someone in the Undisputed Era is going to cost him the belt. I disagree. I think it's going to be Pat McAfee. Some, someone's going to cost him it, oh, whether yeah. it's Pat McAfee or possibly Roddy Strong. If they maybe try and play into the little bit of tension they had, it could be that Roddy Strong turns on Adam and leads the, the era going no, forward. See, I was thinking that that was going to happen during this McAfee feud, because obviously McAfee's going to have friends. The problem is, if McAfee... I was thinking that that was going to happen during this McAfee feud, because obviously McAfee's going to have friends. The problem is, if McAfee costs him the belt, it's kind of going to turn Adam Cole face, and I don't think they want to face Adam Cole. I'm going to be honest, guys. I was already really excited for Super Tuesday Week 2 when they announced the Rhea Ripley Steel Cage oh, match. Oh, yes. But, yeah. but this as well, I mean, I'm going to be watching this live now. I'm excited. Uh, moving on from that to segue into what Peanuts just mentioned, the Rhea Ripley versus Martinez Cage match. I'm so psyched This, this. could be the women's match this... of the year for WWE. Yeah. This match has got main event written all over it because you've got two girls who have busted their asses to get to where they are. In my mind, this is also a number one contenders match, but I know Absolutely. that's not officially. Oh yeah, undoubtedly. There's, whoever comes out of this is, they're in that title picture regardless. It's interesting as well because Martinez has met, whereas before no one really has. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, people people have beaten her, and but it, it's never been like, oh, you know, they, they, they've been on top of her the whole time. It's always been like, oh, that was a close fought match. She just lost. Mercedes has, has got her number. I don't know it's about anything, but I reckon it's going to be an instant classic. So, moving on from that, also coming out of NXT this week in other news is possibly a permanent move to Tuesdays. This has come from the USA Network proposing the idea to uh, the dubs, and apparently they've reciprocated. Oh, so that means the Wednesday night was going to end. We don't know. I've been enjoying it. We don't know. The thing is, because of the fact that the USA Network pay 50 or $60 million a year for the rights to NXT, it does give them an enormous say in what night it's aired on. If they want it to be, if they want it to be on Tuesday nights, it's probably going to move to Tuesday nights. Really. I'm not going to lie, I do prioritise AEW over NXT, but I'll watch NXT the day after. But... It's the other way for me. It's NXT and then AEW. Con I know. Controversial. Controversy. <laughs> Controversy creates cash. I think when you look at the viewing figures over the last few weeks with AEW being moved around, I think when you look at those viewing figures, that um, having them both on separate nights is probably actually better for both uh, for both shows. They're, I think they both managed to. Um, Get up to the higher rate. I think I think AEW managed seven hundred and odd thousand one week, something like that. Yeah, I mean it's a win-win, isn't it? Let's yeah. face it, because obviously if one of them moves to Tuesday and the other stays on Wednesday, then the real winner is the fans because they're going to yeah. be able to watch both. Yeah, yeah I definitely. agree. I think it's better. For yeah, them if one of them does move. So in other news this week as well, Rey Mysterio's injured. I think it's better. For yeah, them if one of them does move. So in other news this week as well, Rey Mysterio's injured. Again. Kelsey Priest. It's what happens when you run around like you're 23 at 45 year old. 
I don't even know if he is 45. It's, it's fairly close. I think he's 43. He's 45, you're right. Yes! <laughs> December 11th, 1974. Uh, also announced, though, funnily enough, Rey Mysterio is getting his own animated series for Cartoon Network. Whoa, really? Yep. Seriously? Seriously. As reported by comicbook.com, to quote it, it says, Rey Mysterio will tell the story of one of the most iconic luchadors, a figure admired by all and star of the ring, but he will also delve into a great secret, unimaginable forces threaten our world, and he will be a fundamental part of the fight. When their number one fan discovers this secret, together they will immerse themselves in a world where they are. If I do not see Rey Mysterio animatedly 619 and a zombie in the head, I'm going to be so disappointed. Apparently he's going to be out for about four to six months with a torn tricep. I mean... It's a tough one because obviously he was pumped up for the match. He wanted to be, he wanted it to be a one to remember because he was in the ring tagging with his son for the first time. I can see why he wanted to give it everything, but you know, again, at his age, he really needs to be a bit more careful because he is going to be more susceptible to these kind of injuries. Yeah, hundred percent. It was nice seeing the old Ray from WCW. But cleaner was something magic for me. I'd like to go back. I preferred his ECW matches. Oh, the one I remember the one he had was uh, was it Psychosis? Yeah. Was it in '95? Yeah. Was it in '95 for ECW? It was. Yeah. That was insane. So, the main topic of this podcast: the All Out Fallout. The All Out Fallout. Oh, the pre-show. The first match, uh, Pentico versus Joey Janela. I wasn't oh, overly impressed by this match, but I'm not a fan of either. I liked the match. I thought it was a good little fast-paced match. I'm a big fan of Janela. I really think Janela needs using more. The best spot of the match for me was the sit-outside walk powerbomb. I like that one. That were a good one. And I think Janela's selling is on point. He, he certainly came out with, with intent because he was in the ring before Sonny Kiss even really knew what was going on. And to be fair, he did he did a great job. He, he put on a good match with Serpentico. Yeah, good job, Janela. Yeah, I think fire pre-show, sure. solid match. Moving on from that, we had uh, Private Party versus Dark Order. The match for me was good, but I picked up stuff in there which Dark Order. The match for me was good, but I picked up stuff in there which kind of ruined it a little bit for me. And I'm talking about the botched Private Party Flapjack Face Buster Double Team manoeuvre. Mark Wen completely missed the Face Buster element of the Double Team. It's not the first time they've done this. They regularly botch double team moves. One of their signatures, the Silly String. I've seen that botch two or three times now on TV. I'm not slating against them. I do think they've got potential. They're going to be big. I just think they need to settle into themselves as a team. There's definitely potential there for them to go on and become real a real force in the tag team division. Yeah, they're a little bit green at the moment, but again, you know, like you said, they're young. They've got that. They've got time on their side. They've got a good skill set when they when they get it right. And the thing we need to always remember with AEW is there's a lot of guys in this company getting their first opportunity for the first time, and a lot of them are going to be kind of green. And it's just nice that they're getting the TV time and the chance to refine coattails. But I think they just need to polish the double teams. I will say that Quen has such a beautiful moonsault. Well, there is only one better than that. Is it our boy Christopher Daniels? 
It very well might be. BME. BME. <laughs> I just, I just have to point out that uh, Kurt Angle also did a very beautiful moonsault. That is a pretty moonsault. I will give you that one. Or Bam Bam. Another thing that Wiggles pointed out to me, and now I can't unsee it, and I hate him forever for it, is Johnny Silver falls to the floor before he's even hit. Yeah, there was a there was a series of close lines in there where it really stood out. Uh, but I do love John Silver though. I think from the at least on BT, I think he's really funny. He's like a standout talent, I think, in Dark Order. You know, besides the obvious uh, Brody Lee. Yeah, I'm just looking at it now, and now I can't unsee it. I think his personality is great anyway. It's like Peanut was saying before. But now, and now I can't unsee it. I think his personality is great anyway. It's like Peanut was saying before. It's the first opportunity they've had on TV for a lot of these guys. So, so then we moved on to the the main show. So we had Britt Baker versus Big Swall, and I think the result of this caused a little bit of controversy between us. So I believed that. Swole picking up the win doesn't hurt Britt Baker. I would agree. I disagree. Yeah, it totally hurts Britt Baker. James, be the decider in this. Does it hurt Britt Baker or not? No. Thank you. I think Britt really needed that win on the pay-per-view just to solidify herself as one of the top heels in the division. I think she's already done that. She works way up and then as soon as she comes against like Ashida, Swole in this one. The fact that it was in her own well, supposedly our own dentist office as well. Just makes it a little bit worse. For me, the thing that makes it so it doesn't... For me, the thing that makes it so it doesn't hurt her is the fact that she won via gas mask. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that got me annoyed. That really annoyed Mate, me. Mate, best finisher. What are you on about? <laughs> no, no, no. I'm sorry, but I have been under the influence of one of those gas masks before, and I can tell you now, you don't wake up four seconds later. I thought this had some brilliant comedy spots. Yeah, I thought it was a really fun match. The revisiting the dumpster and Reba popping up with a banana on her head. I was in absolute <laughs> stitches. Well, it's it's pretty well known that I'm a massive fan of the Attitude Theory, and it did remind me of the great hardcore title matches of old. Yeah. I just think it hurts Brit because, you know, she's been having this push and they've been getting her over during her injury and everything else and looking at maybe giving her a title match. And then she gets on this pay-per-view card in what could have been a number one contenders match for all intents and purposes. And now we've got a face versus a face rather than a face versus a heel in this upcoming title match. Well, we don't because we still have Nyla Rose in the way. If, to be honest, it's kind of... But they've also got that in Britt Baker anyway because, let's face it, she was the first woman signed for AEW. That's, that right there was a statement of intent, if nothing else. Yeah, granted, but at the minute... Well, that kind of works into my point as well, though, like... She was, when Dynamite and stuff, it looked as if she was going to be, like, the top female. And yeah. then she just dropped back down, and now she's managed to work her way back up, and then gets to a pay-per-view, and she's lost again, worked her way back down again. Yeah, but she hasn't really moved at all, and AEW works on a ranking system. So, I know it gets chucked about by fans going, oh, ranking system, you know, shit, mate, shit, mate, but... Tony Khan's I actually like Tony Khan's a stats dude, and she hasn't moved. Doesn't even move Swall into the top five contenders for the belt. And I mean, with Statlander out injured, who's who's a face. I mean, I'm not a Statlander fan. No, she does nothing for me. Swall either. has gone over organically with her backstory and whatnot. I think she's very vanilla. I'm not a Swall fan either. Statlander out injured, who's who's a face. I mean, I'm not a Statlander fan. No, she does nothing for me. Swall either. has gone over organically with her 
backstory and whatnot. I think she's very vanilla. I'm not a Swole fan either. She's gone over organically with the whole military background, the the real life troubles that she's faced, as you as, as we've spoken about previously. And the fans have latched onto her and got an emotional attachment to it. It makes sense to shove her up the ladder when you've only got Sheeda as a babyface at the top. Because I mean, Statlander's out injured, like I've just said. Who else is there to push up there? There isn't anyone really at the moment. Yeah. <clears throat> on the first yeah. I think long term it pans out better this I mean Brit it would have helped Brit to get the win here yeah granted but I don't think she loses anything in defeat if anything I think this defeat gives her more ammo to do more great heel promo work absolutely yeah I agree That's yeah. Yeah. I agree with Bob I'm just thinking in terms of sort of pecking order in that division you know you've got Nyla paired up with Vicky now so she's going to probably be the next con- so she's going to probably be the next contender which we've already seen a couple of times now with Nyla and uh, Sheeda. Yeah, new. but once that match is done, she's going to drop down and the next person to step up will be Britt Baker because Sheeda will still be champion at the end of that match. If she's not, then they need a credible face. Well, then you look at that as well, though. It makes sense now for Swall to be ahead of Britt Baker after this match because she not only beat Britt Baker on uh, Britt's home turf, so, so to speak, but it being the uh, dentistry. So after that, we had... Uh, the Bucks versus Jurassic Express. No, I'm, I'm a big fan of Jurassic Express. I think Jurassic Express have got real potential to be at the top of the tag team division. It's it's a team that wouldn't necessarily usually work, but for some reason it just does. I think that's and... purely down to the chemistry that Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus have. For me in this... It was a fun match. There was a hell of a lot of good spots in this match. Jungle Boy came out of this. It was a fun match. There was a hell of a lot of good spots in this match. Jungle Boy came out of this looking like an absolute badass. He came out looking like a star, no doubt. The multiple super kick parties that he kicked out of. The fact that he had to end it with the BTE trigger. Absolutely sterling showing from Jungle Boy. Well, we have to touch on the fact that the Bucks came out into this match with a with a tweaked personality as well. Yeah, I mean, online there has been rumblings of a heel elite happening. Oh, I was expecting Bucks to dominate this match, really. I thought it was going to come out sort of really angry, worked up. Not doing anything like explicitly cheating, but like the old school heel moves, like mounted punches, uh, foot chokes in the, on the turnbuckle, that kind of thing. I mean, I'm glad they didn't, because we ended up with a, an absolutely solid match, and the little heelish tendencies that were, they were knocking out shone through in this. The way they did it was the better way to do it, because it didn't completely bury Jurassic Express. It made Jungle Boy look like an absolute star in the ring. Yeah, just that, but then again, we can always just say Lucha Bros. Omega That's... and Kenny as well. Omega, oh, Omega, Omega, Omega and Kenny. And Kenny. <laughs> Kenny and Hangman. That tag team, Kenny and Omega, the, yeah. the, the Kenny Omega show. I'm a big fan of Jurassic Express, but there's a big thing about them turning heel that I really want to happen. I reckon Luchasaurus could be a very, very good heel. I would Ooh, disagree I like the with sound that. Of that. I disagree. I think Jungle Express are really good kind of where they are now. It's the, they're the team that the kids want to be and that really enjoy watching. Who are Jungle you know, Express? Yeah, Jungle Express. Jurassic Express. Jurassic Express. Jungle Express. Omega and Kenny Express. Jurassic Express, sorry, are the, the sort of cartoon teams that I think the kids really enjoy, look up to, uh, want to be. You, you just can't have a heel Jungle Boy. But I could see us. I could have a heel, Jungle Boy. But I could see us. I could see a scenario where Luchasaurus turns heel. 
all you have to do is pick up Marco's stunt and eat him. Are you kidding? That'd make there him by... more of a face. <laughs> Actually, yeah, he'd not make him a superhero. <laughs> Can we not just get a picture of Luke just saw a spit roast in Marco's stunt over, over an open flame? It does kind of put a whole new meaning to monster heel, doesn't it? So, next on the card, we had the uh, Casino Battle Royale. So, the first thing I noticed in this match is Chucky T had handlebars. <laughs> I love the look, though. So, before we get into this, who did everyone have to win this match? I personally had Eddie Kingston winning this. I had Pentagon Jr. or to be announced. Penta L0 now. Penta L0 M. Yeah, don't forget the M. Oh yeah, Penta LM0, yeah. The M's important, man. Never neglect the M. So did you have Paul? I thought it was the M. So did you have Paul? I thought it was going to be Brian Cage, to be honest. I just thought he, uh... I thought he'd had a bit of a decent build, and with Taz in his corner, I thought that was what it was going to be, but... James, who did you have to win? I actually thought Cage were going to win it. I think Cage is really, really good, especially with Taz in his corner. Oh, I think, look at... I think we might disagree on this one, buddy. Look at Taz in the past. He's managed Samoa Joe. This is true. But this is this, and, this is true in TNA. Yeah, but you cannot compare Brian Cage to Samoa Joe. Don't, don't you think that like Taz and Cage is like the wish version of what <laughs> <laughs> We've waited two to three weeks for shipping, and this is what we get. <laughs> yeah, I like Cage. I like Cage as a wrestler. Really? That's surprising, that. Yeah. I'm not a big fan. I just think when you can't get yourself over on the Indies after being TNA champion, it's, it's all a bit down. The top guy, which, you know, you look at him, you would think that he would be a top guy, especially if you like WWE programming. Yeah, I mean, we've been conditioned to see him as a top guy because of the way that he looks. Yeah, I don't think he... I think he could be the sort of... the stepping stone, play that sort of... The same, like a similar kind of role to like a big show or something like that, like the big powerhouse that someone beats to prove that they're good enough to go on. Yeah, to... I mean, I think the issue with Brian Cage in AEW is that he's around so much stacked talent that yeah. there's no one he can shine against because everyone will outshine him. Well, obviously, AEW has seen something in him to bring him in, so I suppose in some ways it remains to be seen what they're going to do. Maybe. With him. I think, I think there's a I think there's a slow burn like push for him coming really because obviously they got him with Taz and I believe I think it was Pino who mentioned it the other day was that you know Taz has come through the pool head and I believe I think it was Pino who mentioned it the other day was that you know Taz has come through the Paul Heyman way of thinking things on the other side of that though with him being paired with Taz Taz is also paired with Ricky Starks. Ricky Starks is gonna outshine Brian Cage like so quickly. Brian Cage, as big as he is, is gonna get lost in the shadow of Ricky Starks. I was kind of hoping Brian Cage wouldn't win though, because he won the type of match that was like this at the last year. I will say though, Penta LM Zero's mask is on point, mate. Zero M. Zero M. Shut up. <laughs> Pet, look, right, oh, all right. Pentagon Junior's mask in this match was fantastic. All right. <laughs> I think it's got one of the best looks. I think yeah. him and uh, Butcher. Both the but- really, the Butcher. I love the Butcher's look. The monocle when it comes out. Yeah, I think it, it's, it's that awesome. weird little march he does on his knee. It, yeah, the lunges. Yeah, it, but it bugs me. I love it. It really. bugs me. 
It's like, how close to a goose step can we get without doing Yeah, anything? exactly! <laughs> <laughs> For me, one of the most enjoyable spots of this match was Sean Spears joining commentary during the entrance. I just wish I just wish he'd have stayed there until the final suit came out. And yeah, I think it was this I think Peanut said this as well. Like I think it's an absolutely brilliant idea if he says something bad about someone in the final pack, in the final suit, and then they come out, drag him into the ring, and beat him senseless. That's exactly what I That said. would have been such a heel move, and it would have been brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. But it was a... That would have been so cool. It reminded me of, like, the CM Punk Royal Rumble shtick and the rock in the attitude here jumping on commentary in the middle of the match. Vince McMahon, Royal Rumble 99. He did it so well, it was good. It was very enjoyable. Lance Archer's uh, barrel roll into the ring. Can we just bring that up for a minute? Yeah, that was epic. <laughs> a man of that size, in athletic. Lance Archer, mate. Barrel roll. Yeah, it was a brilliant moment, that. That was probably my favourite moment of the match, to be fair. <laughs> and then we got the best bit of the night. Matt, are we back to talk about the man that gravity remembered? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to quote my notes. I've got Matt Seidel. Oh, shit, is he okay? <laughs> Shockmaster 2020 <laughs> I've actually spoken to someone who was at All Out and they, they have confirmed that it was so humid there that everything was slick and so I suspect that played a part in it it was a scary slash funny moment since it's happened he's come out and he's took it in his stride and I think that's really cool of him to do it but it was definitely Shockmaster 2020 oh it definitely was what a spot also if we just take a moment to remember that epic knee that he gave to I think it was Sean Spears uh, before that slip it was a really good entrance so I just feel bad feel bad for him it looked like he was going to have like a really big impactful look was really good entrance so i just feel bad feel bad for him it looked like he's gonna have like a really big impactful entrance he's got epic e got to the top rope and then unfortunately slipped some something that also has come has gone a little bit missed during all this and i think it has to be said uh major shout out to will hobbs for discreetly going and checking that that was okay afterwards that was uh, something you don't see very often. Also, Will Hobbs had a great performance. He, he in that really match well. did. He definitely did. He really did. Like he put his jobber in that match. I think he was really. I really think good. he stood out quite a bit. To be fair, he, he really did. The next bit I want to bring up though is Darby's uh, body bag launch over the top rope with oh. thumbtacks. Is there anything that Darby Allen will not do? He has no regard for his own physical safety. He does. He does look a bit like Aaron Paul though. I really enjoyed what Ricky Stark said with him looking like the I like turtles kid. <laughs> Absolute one-liner. It's come to light after the match that he was checked over by a doctor because he landed on his head. I'm just grateful he was thrown on the stage and not on the uh, surrounding floor. Yeah, but he'd have still done it. He'd have still done that's it. That's the thing. He would still have done it, yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if he did. I wouldn't have been surprised if it had been his idea. <laughs> Darby Allen reminds me of a young, uh, more out there than Mick Foley. He's got that Mick Foley mentality, but I don't think he's as endearing as Mick Foley. No, he definitely isn't. He's a different character. He's almost sullen in his action. He reminds me more of a young Jeff Hardy. Yeah. Kind of risk they take. I can see that. Yeah, the disregard for safety. For me, he is attitude-era Jeff and ECW Raven's love child. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that works. <laughs> That's a scary mix. Can we just take a moment, though, to appreciate how good Eddie Kingston is? Yes. What a talker. What a performer. Like, everything he did was on point in that match. Like, to the point of hiding behind the butcher. All match. Snake and Jake. It was absolutely brilliant. 
loved it. Well, I've not seen too much of Eddie Kingston, but what I have seen of him, I like. He's very, very good. Yeah, I followed him in the NWA as well, and it was one of the standout performers there. His other, my other problem is he's one of those guys, it's kind of like MJF, his promo work is just so good that his in-ring ability is often overlooked. He doesn't have any of the sort of flashy moves or anything like that. It's just your slightly slower, methodical kind of style. I think that plays into his strengths, though, if I'm going to be honest with you. Yeah, I agree. He's also said that apparently after his appearance for AEW, WWE gave him a call. Yeah, I heard, and he uh, yeah. turned them down. Why would he go there? He's probably going to get more exposure where he is. From what I heard, he talked it over with his mum, and his mum told him the right place for him to be was AEW, and according to his podcast with Jericho, He's a mama's boy and he always does what his mum tells him to do. Lance Archer winning this was the best call, in all honesty. He recovers him from that Jericho. He's a mama's boy and he always does what his mum tells him to do. Lance Archer winning this was the best call, in all honesty. He recovers him from that TNT title loss against Cody. And it's built him back up to be this incredible yeah, looked, monster heel. Yeah, it looks like a murder hawk monster. Yeah. I just wish he'd have kept him as the murder hawk and not added the monster on. The murder hawk... Yeah. Lance Archer sounds so much better than the Murderhawk monster. I agree with that. This, for me, was an absolute stonker of a match. I had a lot of fun with this match. Really, really, really well done. Yeah, I agree. And I think with the talent that they used as well, it made it really unpredictable. I couldn't pick a winner out of that. This was the hardest match for me to call. The next match on the card then was, obviously, the Broken Rules match between Matt Hardy and Sammy Guevara. Now, obviously, we've talked a little bit about this beforehand is one of the major news stories of the week. If we're going to run through the whole card, we should probably talk about the match I mean, itself. There's, there's not much left to say other than what the actual F. I mean, I don't understand why you would start a match with a spot. He got up, he dusted himself off, and they finished the match, albeit very quickly. Whether that was the right move or not remains to be seen. Now, I already feel like I'm going to get heat in the comments for this, but I kind of applaud him for doing it. I genuinely applaud him for this because testament to his professionalism. Exactly, yeah, and the fact absolutely. that the, the dude, the dude was like completely out of it. Right, his eyeballs were basically made of glass after that fall, and the fact that he oh. sat there and he reverted to the Matt character, the broken Matt character, chomping his his gnashes in a con in in a potentially concussed state after a fall like that. What an absolute, you know, professional. Yeah. Managed to fall, yeah. at least me, and then I've seen quite a lot of others as well. Still, I'm still convinced it's the worst. I'm going to say Wiggles is a very, very cynical person when it comes to this, like, comes to wrestling. Like, he will sit there and go, yeah, it's probably not real. When you have to sit there and you and you have to look for things to see if it's a work, he's just done you. He's got you where he wants you. He's done you. Yeah. As, as dangerous as it was and as unprofessional as it was to restart the match, I mean, hats off to match, give him a round of applause. That's all you can say. There's yeah. that famous old JR expression, though, isn't there? The lights are on, but no one's home. Regardless of your thoughts on the match or, or the, what transpired before and after, Matt Hardy is and has been for a, lot, for a long time one of the most underrated workers in the business. And he's finally starting to get that level of respect that he deserves. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. He was always overshadowed by Jeff, but now I think it's the other way around. It is the other way around now, yeah, definitely. The whole concussion thing, the way he looked, it reminds me of that street fight match he had with Edge. Moving on from that, potentially the best match of the night, Yeah, uh, Shida versus Thunder Rosa. I hadn't really seen much or heard much of Thunder Rosa going into this match, only what I'd seen being built up on AEW TV. I was the same. And he's 
she is deservedly the NWA World Women's Champ. Absolute technical wet dream. Yeah, I found her on the NWA, and she came in, she had a little bit of hype behind her, not all that much, but she quickly rose to be the star of that women's division on the NWA. I've not watched much of uh, Billy Corgan's NWA, mainly because of what happened with Impact and stuff, and it kind of put me off doing it, but watching Rosa work, it's made me want to go and watch it. I'm not going to lie. Like, if that's what she's doing, what, what what's everyone else doing there? That they've got Nick Aldis. Well, Ricky Starks came from there as well. He, he was he had a similar path to Thunder Rosa. He's, they both came in, I think, a little bit green, but uh, with both of them, they just improved so much just from match to match and made themselves stars as well. I hope this builds a working relationship between AEW and NWA. I would love to see people come over. Unfortunately, Tony Khan said he doesn't currently have any plans. Boo. else from NWA. I mean, Thunder Rosa was brought in with the news that NWA isn't. Boo. Uh, else from NWA. I mean, Thunder Rosa was brought in with the news that NWA is soon to relaunch, mm-hmm. uh, come back from the pandemic. And he thought it was beneficial for both promotions to have Thunder Rosa come in and challenge Cheetah, which I agree with. Can we get an F in the comments for no more NWA talent on AEW? Dare I say that she could be a female bit hot for the technical-wise? And some big technical boots to fill. She kind of reminds me more of Kurt Angle with uh, picking up just so quick. How quickly she's rose up and stood that, that technical ability, that technical style. The other thing I got from this match is she'd wear shoes that make her feet look like a Ninja Turtle. Teenage Mutant, she does footwear. <laughs> and now I can't, not, I can't not see it. <laughs> Well, I was so annoyed at what they'd done with the women's division earlier on in the show, I pulled a Jim Cornette, folks, and I absolutely skipped that match. And you I'm missed out. to say about this segment, we've covered it earlier on, but uh, Kip Sabian stood there advertising this <laughs> Twitch stream. <laughs> this message is endorsed by All Elite Wrestling. But can I just point Shit. out, Fired. can I just ask, what the actual hell was that T-shirt was wearing? <laughs> He's trying to get a movement going for uh, men to wear uh, crop tops for some reason. I don't know what that is, but... this, this could be the strongest heel move I've ever seen. If he can oh. get crop tops over, this guy's going place, I'm telling you. Yeah, I bet the crowd's back when you've got the uh, big hairy men at the ringside with their uh, crop tops on. Do you know who's going to be the next person to do it? Austin Gunn. Yeah. Like most of the noise you you heard like during lockdown in the crowd was Austin Gunn. Yeah, yeah. yeah Austin Gunn was the odd. <laughs> he was phenomenal. If Kip Sabian could get him in one of them tops, it was a great spot though. Uh, tops. It was a great spot though. Uh, as far as I'm aware, it was Kip's idea as well. I do rate Kip Sabian. I think he has an absolute mind for this business. I've only just realised he's wearing like Hulk Hogan pants. There were beach shots, I think, on them. Oh, I don't know, but that is a fucking visual, that, innit? Say your prayers and wear your crop top, brother. <laughs> I think I wore one on, might have been dark, I can't remember if it was dark or dying or Do you know, when, when Kip Sabian first came to AEW, I was not a fan. I was not a fan, I just thought he was pretty bland. But now, crop top a mania. <laughs> I think he just needed, yeah, it's just another example, it just needed that time to develop his... Uh, character personality. It's amazing what a bit of creative control will do. It's amazing yeah. what a crop top does for you. When we release merch, we are not releasing t-shirts. The first thing we are doing is a Kip Sabian crop top. Crop top. <laughs> when we get there and we do the first video podcast, I will model that. I will wear a real wrestling crop top for the entire thing. 
<laughs> Hell, I'd even get my belly button pierced for that. <laughs> if we can get this video to 100 likes, Peanut will get his belly button pierced. <laughs> I'm just volunteering okay. you now, Peanut. Try a thousand. A thousand and I'll do it. That sounds like a challenge. Right, that is a challenge, guys. Come on, you got to vote that up now just for that. <laughs> so, moving on, because we're just going to end up in there. Uh, Talking about crop tops. <laughs> I'll, be, I'll be on Amazon in a minute ordering myself a fucking crop top. If I can't I'm way ahead of you. <laughs> Prime, here we go. Omega and Hangman versus FTR. Anyone want to tackle this one first? Definitely get into this. So, FTR are the best tag team in wrestling right now. They've finally got the, they finally got the nudge after working so hard to get up the card. And now, that, now we have a team that's actually won the NXT, the Raw, the SmackDown, and the AEW tag belts. I think this is the first team we can say this about as well. It and is. props to them. And the AEW tag belts. I think this is the first team we can say this about as well. It and is. props to them. They've put on an amazing match as always. I mean, we'd always expect Omega and Paige to put on a good match. I mean, we've seen Omega put on a good match with dolls and children. So, yeah, ultimately, great match. Uh, the right team won. I'm definitely happy with this decision. Yeah, I mean, it's a testament to them because their in-ring work is very solid. And when you put two teams in the ring together, such as them, you're going to end up with something really, really special. Again, you know, going back to FTR being the multiple-time tag champs they are, and kudos to them because that's incredible to be able to say that. They never got to perform to the style they wanted back in WWE. They've come over to AEW, they've embraced that style that they that they wanted it to be, and it's worked for them, and it's really put them over as possibly one of the top teams in the division. I think yeah. you've nailed the nail on the top teams in the division. I think yeah. you've nailed the nail on the head there. I mean, I don't understand what the thinking was from Vince McMahon and the rest of WWE Creative when they thought they could just piss all over whatever the, the Revival were trying to do. Because what they had there was a solid, dependable tag team who could have wrestled a broomstick to a five-star classic. <laughs> and they've pissed them off to the extent where they've gone, ah, screw this, we're going. And then they've gone to another company. They've been there, what, less than two months? And they're already the tag team champions. They're just the thing that AW needed for that tag team division. They absolutely are. AEW don't use tag ropes. When you're in a match with FTR, you do. Yeah, that's a great touch. It's a, it's a subtle touch. It's a little thing that would go completely unnoticed any other time. But for them, it's one of their little things, and it just works. They brought the wrestling element to the tag team division, in my opinion. Exactly. I was disappointed, though. Well, not disappointed, but for the pretty much the entire match, I was waiting for that. It's interesting, because after the match ended, it looked like Kenny was going to turn. It looked like he was going to whack him with that table, and he was going to wail on him all night long. It's a slow burn, because he didn't catch him when he fell, and then he just turned around and he hightailed it out of the arena. It's a very odd thing to see Kenny turning, because all the way through this, I've assumed it was going to be Hangman. I've been saying for weeks that it should be Kenny that turns, precisely because it looks like it would be Hangman. Thank Hangman's you. been... Central, or been acting heelish for quite some time. So for it to be Hangman that's staying face and it's an Omega that's turning, That'd be it, a it's an interesting dynamic. Yeah, I think that's the twist that I was hoping for. And I think having Kenny turn heel, put him in a program with Paige, and then really put Adam Page over as the top face of the company. We are just looking back at the card, I noticed we've actually missed a match. We've missed out the eight-man tag team match between the Dark Order 
and Cody's friends. Must we talk Just, about that? Yeah, I, I thought that was by design. I thought no one. And Cody's friends. Must we talk Just, about that? Yeah, I, I thought that was by design. I thought no one had anything <laughs> to say about it, as you said earlier. I thought I got. I thought I got away with that one. Well, we can't miss the match out because the promo afterwards worth talking about. Yeah, the promo afterwards with Dustin was absolutely phenomenal. It's been a long time since I've seen Dustin with that much passion behind his words. I think the last time we saw that was his match with Cody. Yeah. I was beaming ear to ear. It's certainly a lot better than on the opposite side where Brody Lee's just doing his best Vince McMahon impression. It's 100% Vince. I don't care what anyone says. That is Vince. The only other things that I have in my notes for this is that Brandy's back and hey. Dustin was blue. It was the weakest match on the card. It was mm. sort of... I don't think it was bad. It was just a sort of dynamite standard, really. The only other thing that was good about it was that Colt saw Brody's uh, shitty side. With eight-man matches like this, it's so hard to keep track of what's going on, and it just kind of feels like a filler. Mm. You know, it's like, uh, get another match on here. Let's get as many guys onto the pay-per-view as we can. I don't like the multi-man tag matches. Yeah, people. there's a lot of people that aren't fans of them. Me being one of them as well. I don't mind them, but I think they are overdone a lot bit in AW. Yeah, they, they do tend to hammer them out a lot, don't they? This is the thing, at one point I heard a rumour, I don't know how true it was, but they were allegedly going to introduce a six-man tag team championship. Please no. That was my response, because Ring of Honor have got a six-man tag team. For me, it doesn't work. I, I just turn off. be a good way of putting the belts on SCU, though. Then you have to build loads of other stables in order for it to be relevant. Yeah. And you can't have five or six stables running around because then it's just bedlam. And I absolutely hate multi-man tag matches at the yeah. best of times. You can't count SCU because isn't Scorpio Sky going singles now? I thought that when I, when he came out with, you know, Cody's friends. He's not using SCU music anymore. And then if you remember a couple of weeks ago on Dynamite, he had that really awful entrance where he tried to kick down the... It was the worst entrance ever. I do think Scorpio ever. Sky could become a big star, though. He's very good at what he does. Commentary I have referred to him as SCU's single guy. Yeah, but if he, if he was SCU's singles guy, he'd still be using SCU's music, right? But he's the future star of the group, so you can see why they're making him singles. They just need to clarify where exactly he is within that group, I think. Him working with Daniels and Kazarian, two absolute phenomenal talents, has elevated him to where he is. I watched his match that he had with Jericho, you know, for the title, and I watched him recently in his singles match the other day where he had the awful door entrance, and the little intricacies that he's picked up since just in that short 12-month period, and he's come on leaps and bounds in that 12-month, and I think if AEW have got out about him and they've noticed that, they're going to push him to the moon. Yeah, I think they love him. They talk about him all the time as you know, a rising star. JR really puts him over on commentary, and so does uh, Skiavone. Moving on from that, we have Orange Cassidy versus Chris. Really puts him over on commentary, and so does uh, Skiavone. Moving on from that, we have Orange Cassidy versus Chris Jericho. Do you know, actually, when you think about the concept of this match, it's actually really smart. They added the pinfall submission stipulation there, just so we'd think, yeah, Simon Jericho's going to win. But the fact that he combined orange juice with a little bit of the bubbly, stupidest match I've ever seen, but absolutely fantastic. I mean, what kind of a win condition is lobbing someone in a vat of bloody mimosa? Only Jericho could make that work. With his with his suit that got orange every week somehow magic. Yeah. What, what, what was it up to seven seven thousand dollar suit jacket? Yeah. 
I love a good gimmick match. I thought it was fun. Oh, it was great. It, it was worked. so stupidly fun. I'm kind of conditioned to dislike these silly gimmick matches, but I had a good time. It was it was silly and fun. The thing is, when you put Orange Cassidy or Jericho in a in a comedy setting, you've got gold. Jericho is the master of comedy at the minute in wrestling. Like, how many times has he done it now? You know, he went away in 2005, and then he came back as, you know, with the whole Save Us Y2J thing. Yep. The Code, the code Breaker. Then he did the whole serious thing where he did every promo in a monotonous voice to really wind people up. We had the Festival of Friendship, then going to Japan as Evil the Jericho. List. The List. I mean, the man is an absolute genius. I've never known anybody be able to reinvent themselves as many times as this and, it, and keep themselves fresh. I mean, this guy's been wrestling, what, 30 years? And he's always new. He's always doing something yeah. he is. He is professional wrestling's chameleon. That's what he is. And also, let's not gloss over the fact that the fans sing his entrance I love music, that. which just so happens to be his band. His gimmick is also like, I'm Chris Jericho, I'm the best in the world, I'm the best ever and everything else. So when people are doing that, he's feel he's getting that vindication, almost. I think during the last, what, six months with lockdown, I think Jericho has been on point through the entire lockdown. There's nothing that man can't do. His commentary is fantastic. Can't, like, Go back to calling Tony Schiavone, Tony Schiavone, it's Schiavone. He's always going to be Schiavone. And I love how he's always like super nice to JR, but he's just a dick to Schiavone. What I want to know is how much is the damage to his ring gear going to be this time? Probably about as much as that Ford GT. Schiavone is AEW's Byron Saxton. That's harsh words, man. Schiavone can commentate. I think Schiavone's best talents are with the hosting and interviewing. I don't mind him on commentary, I think he's just a little bit too quiet. Do you know who does great on me on commentary? Excalibur, Excalibur yeah. yeah. Tope Suicida up the top! I know he's got quite a bit of stick while he's been on the interview, but I think they absolutely need him with JR and uh, Shivani there. Yeah, do you know I'd, I'd, I'd just replace him with Taz? I would. But I, we, we can't do that because Taz is an on-screen talent. I think they do need a, a heel on commentary, though. I've always thought that, but Jericho's real. Because Taz is an on-screen talent. I think they do need a, a heel on commentary though. I've always thought that but Jericho's really highlighted it. But anyway, we digress. The match itself, I think the match had the perfect ending. I think OC needed to win this. The, the match just, it was just stupid and goofy and I loved it. Absolutely loved it. But we've spoken a lot about Jericho but we've completely neglected Freshly Squeezed here, right? This match elevated him. The entire Jericho series has elevated him to a point where he is now, in my eyes, and probably the eyes of many others, a credible main event guy. I fully agree with that statement. OC has been the standout of AEW. Until I saw Orange Cassidy in AEW, I'd never seen anything of him before. And then when I saw him, it was all out, I think I saw him, actually. No, all in, sorry. And when he came in and he did the uh, the sweet shin music, I was in hysterics. And I was just like, this guy. And then Wiggles introduced me to the uh, Orange Cassidy versus Orange Cassidy match, where <laughs> I've literally sat there and scoured YouTube and watched everything I could find, and he is amazingly talented. I must admit, I normally hate these stupid comedy gimmicks, but Orange Cassidy has something. He backs it up with actual wrestling ability, and he, he, he's got that Undertaker element to him. That, like, I'm going really slow and and, every, and then bang, he's going really fast and speeding it up. Undertaker talks about it on his documentary, how he did it as a big guy. Well, Orange Cassidy's doing it as a little guy, and he's so talented. And he's it's so unique, and he's come up with this himself. It's just so interesting. Still on the subject of Orange Cassidy, I think 
the gimmick that he does, like the whole, oh yeah, I can't be asked, to the point of not even fully extending the thumb when he does the thumbs up. That attention to detail makes Orange Cassidy one of the best gimmicks in wrestling at the minute. The only other person I can think of that has that much attention to detail in the gimmick is MJF. You saw that with Orange Cassidy in the ladder match as well, the last show. Like when he came out and he's like asking the commentators what he's supposed to do. <laughs> yeah. Orange Cassidy has done this all on his own. Yeah. That final little push from Jericho that he's had, it's just tipped him over edge for me and I think he is absolutely phenomenal. No, it's something he's worked on not too long ago, I think. He's been around the Indies with this gimmick for a few years but it's something that's crafted over time and it's perfected yeah you can you can see how much love he's put into this gimmick it was always evolving as well seen that on AEW just recently just you know putting in that one percent rather than zero percent this time he's gonna try the debate angle got me jericho's yeah. just berating him and he comes out with shit about wales and i'm just like this is why i love orange cassidy I don't think there's anything else we can say about this match. Work rate wasn't the best. Sometimes the work rate isn't what sells the match. Sometimes it's the emotion and what's happening in the ring that's more important than the actual move. If moves. you want storytelling, go and watch Omega and Hangman versus FTR. If you want actual work rate, go watch Shida versus Rosa. If you want purely yeah. fun, go watch this match. And that leads us into our main event. And that leads us into our main event which was MJF versus Mox. Now, I'm going to pass this over to Peanut. Absolutely. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I am here to report a, a crime. A murder has taken place on this pay-per-view, and that murder is MJF's undefeated streak. Never in the history of wrestling since Kevin Nash and Goldberg has such a travesty taken place, and, and Dictator John, he's going to have to face some repercussions for this because he cheated to end this undefeated streak. It's just an absolute travesty of justice, boys and girls. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Wasn't the dynamite diamond ring thrown in for MJF to use against Moxley? Would that not have been cheating? Yeah. Heels are supposed to cheat, man. It's That's not thing. the point. That's not the point. The point is Moxley got the retribution from that because he used MJF's own tactics against him. I mean, what I get from this, right, is that Moxley is not your clean-cut face either. Can I just point out, though, for 22 years old, MJF's psychology, his ring psychology is Ric Flair levels. MJF is the best heel in wrestling. Hands down. And, I mean, that blade job, that blade job he did. Oh, that looked brutal. My favourite part of the match, though, hands down, was the slap-off, when they were both just on the knees, slugging the shit out of each other. Sure, then, Jeff can go toe-to-toe. I know this might upset you, Peanut, and I know that you think that he's dead and buried now, but this really did make MJF look a star. He better get a rematch. That's all I can say. He better get his rematch. He's because, got Lance Archer first. You know, well, we'll just see about that. I think the ending preserved both guys. There was one little gripe I've got with this, and it harkens back to the pre-show match with missing moves, but Mox did some midsection knees that just completely were nowhere near connecting. I noticed that as well, and I, I thought maybe I was just seeing things, but no, he, there were a few that just were complete it's air like, shots. Come on, Mox, you better. And I, I thought maybe I was just seeing things, but no, he, there were a few that just were complete it's air like, shots. Come on, Mox, you better than that. This was a solid main event, and I mean, it really showcased MJF. The wrong guy won. Now we've got another three or four months of, of John Moxley. You need that for the title, though, I think. I think it's too soon for MJF, and I think you need Mox to hold it for another few months yet bring that prestige and you know show that the belt isn't just going to be passed around and it's really hard to win to be fair i agree with what wiggles was saying i think with it being a new title 
it needs these long reigns. John Moxley actually won the championship at Revolution. So he's had it what seven months, and he's only had one paper, two pay-per-views to defend it on. It just feels like he's had it forever. I don't think this was the right time for MGF. If I'm honest with you, he just needs a bit more experience on the main stage. But he's so over, and he's so good. And he if you put the belt on him, he'd be so, he'd be like so, he'd be like such a slimy heel. The size, of, and the size of the stage that he's at, is proved that he can, that he can hang. I don't think it will be long until he gets the belt. But I think he's too soon to put it back on a heel. I think, a, I think a baby face needs it for a bit longer. We need to build, continue building the world championship up has been a genuinely important title that's not going to be passed around that is extremely difficult to win and then not just that but from on the MJF side of things I genuinely believe like he said he's going to be the star for the next 25 years I agree there's only one place that guy's going and that's to the stars and back All Out was fantastic and you know as AEW pay-per-views go they, they rarely under-deliver so that's fantastic when you go back through the years, there's, there's always eras that everyone loves, and the big one is the Attitude Era. Now, controversy is about to strike, guys, and there's a very good chance I might be kicked out of the group when Don't I say, say what this. Going to say. Just keep quiet, Paul. I, <laughs> for, for everyone's I, sake. For everyone. I, what? How? I, I missed the entire Attitude Era due to the fact that my parents were too cheap to buy cable. Whoa. Yeah. And, and you didn't, and you haven't decided to like go back and watch it or anything in all this time. I haven't had, I haven't had a reason to, in a sense. I Listen to me now, right? As your partner at Real Wrestling, you have to do this. Everyone listening, this is now going to be a regular section on the podcast. We're going to give Paul. An Attitude Era pay-per-view to start from. The Attitude Assessment. <laughs> the Attitude Assessment will be a regular section. Peanut, where do you think we should go from? I would start at SummerSlam 97 purely because if you look it up, you'll see that DX starts to form on the Raw after that. And t- to me at least, DX forming is the start of the Attitude Era. Although a lot of people are going to say WrestleMania 13. A lot of people could also argue King of the Ring 96. That was going to be mine. <laughs> We'll go from SummerSlam 97 because 97 to 2001 is where you King of the Ring 96. That was going to be mine. <laughs> what are you going to say? We'll go from SummerSlam 97 because 97 to 2001 is where it was like really good. It's it's a bare pay per view watch yeah. as well because if you start Mania 13, you've got you've got some right rubbish to wade through in that time before you actually get to SummerSlam 97. I agree. So we'll go from SummerSlam 97, Paul. That's your assessment. That's your homework for the next podcast. Right, okay. I think that just about wraps us up today. I want to thank everyone for listening. I want to thank Paul. I want to thank James, uh, Wiggles and Peanut for being on the podcast. Make sure you like and subscribe. Make sure 